us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 28. It's on page 550 of your book of praise. There we have God's word summarized as follows. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that, especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. After the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 139, stanzas 1, 2, and 13. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, the Sabbath, what is it? How does the Old Testament Sabbath relate to the day of rest today? That is a day old, that is an age old question. It has been a topic of discussion throughout the ages. Even our young people wonder about this. Every Sunday morning they hear the fourth commandment recited, namely that they must rest on the seventh day. And yet we do it on the first day, on the Sunday. How come? That's a question that a young brother of the congregation also asked. Last Sunday he put a note in my mailbox in which he wrote, I couldn't help but notice that you said in your prayer that we gather on the first day of the week to praise God. Does it not say in the Bible that on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, God rested? Does it not say that on the seventh day of the week we praise God's name? Then why do you and other ministers say that we gather on the first day? Please explain to me how, when God was working, we stop. God worked on the first day, but you say that we stop on the first day, not the last day of each week. Please write back to me and explain this all. It's a very good question that this young man asked. It's also a timely question. For today, we are dealing with the Sabbath, with the fourth commandment. And so I put a note in his mailbox to tell him that I would answer his question in my sermon this morning. There are also other questions. There were many prohibitions in the Old Testament. Do they apply today? What are we allowed to do or not to do on the day of rest? Can we, for example, watch TV on that day? What about doing our homework? And so there are other questions of that nature. Well, brothers, one thing, brothers and sisters, one thing is for sure. This Lord's Day is a gift to us. This day is given to us for enjoyment. And that is what I want to emphasize and preach to you about. It is about the wonderful rest of the day of the Lord. 
And then we will see three things. We will first look at the joy that he gives us. Secondly, the freedom that he gives us. And then finally, the obligation that he gives us. If you want to understand the meaning of the Sabbath rest today, you first have to understand what it meant in the Old Testament. It was a day of joy right from the very beginning. For what did the Lord God do after he created all things? Well, he rested. And when he gave the Ten Commandments to his people, he reminded them of that fact. For with the Fourth Commandment he said, For in six days the Lord made heaven, the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Why do you think that the Lord God wanted to rest on the seventh day? Because he was tired? Of course not. He rested on that day because he had completed the work of his creation. Now it is done, finished, complete. He uses the seventh day to look back at what he has done and to rejoice. A new period has arrived. A period of rest and enjoyment and a day of reflection on what has been accomplished. It is for him a day of celebration. It is for him a very special day. That is clear from what he said about that day. For he said, Bless, for he blessed the day and made it holy. He blessed it. That means he spoke very favorably about it. The Sabbath day is a very happy day in the days of the Lord. He also made it holy. The catechism, students, they all know what the primary meaning of that word holy is, don't you? They have been taught that many times. When something is holy, it means that it has been specially set aside by the Lord God. Something that is holy is dedicated to the Lord. That is the first and foremost meaning of the word holiness. The Sabbath day is a very special day in the eyes of the Lord. God did not give that day of rest in the first place to man. No, he gave that day to himself. He gave himself a very special day of enjoyment. It is for that reason that it must be for us as well. Man must also, for that reason, rest on the seventh day. It is also a day of celebration for him. He can now enjoy God's creation. Of course, man has to do that every day of his life. But God set a special day aside for, for that for that very purpose. He could now lay down his tools and rest. He could do that already in paradise before the fall into sin. God's per pattern of work and rest was then already a pattern for man to follow. And what a celebration it is. For what do we have to celebrate? Well, we celebrate God's glory in his creation. His creation is an almighty and awesome act. In God's creation, you see the great and incomprehensible mind of God. God spoke. 
and this world came to be. What came to be a creation so intricate and so complex and so beautiful and with so many elements and with so much variety that we all have to stand in awe of it. And the crown of creation is man. We only have an inkling of how awesome God's creation is. But think about what we do know about it. Look at the universe. Billions upon billions of stars are in the sky. They all have their own orbit, and yet they never collide. And think about all the animals that God has created here on this earth and the variety of them all. And think about the trees and the shrubs and the flowers and how they all fit together. It is mind-boggling how wonderful it all is. And yet, all that in his great and awesome mind when he spoke and it came to be. God's creation is absolutely brilliant. There are no words to describe it. And now God gives us a special day to reflect on that all. A day of celebration. And that is what we as New Testament church can celebrate now as well. For that day of celebration continued after the fall into sin. However, now it is no longer connected to creation in the first place, but to recreation. And that is why it has now shifted from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week, to a Sunday. For do you know what happened on that first day of the week, on a Sunday? It was on the first day of the week that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Because of sin, creation came under a curse. Death and destruction have now become normal occurrences. There are earthquakes and floods and fires. We were certainly reminded of that in this past week, weren't we? Plants die, animals die, people die. That's what God said would happen if man would not obey his command. Adam and Eve didn't. And we in them therefore did not either. And therefore God's day of rest became spoiled. When God first created, death and decay and pain and sorrow were not part of the picture. God could delight in his creation. But when man sinned, this creation became spoiled. God wanted to be able to delight in his creation. And the only way that he can now do that still is by removing sin. And you see, that is what happened on that first Easter Sunday. I preached about that last week and I will preach about that, Lord willing, again this afternoon. The apostles were gathered together on the first day of the week And it was on that first Easter Sunday that the Lord Jesus appeared to them. And ever since then, the New Testament church has been getting together on the first day of the week. And now the first day of the week is called, as you know, for example, from Revelation 1, verse 10, the Lord's Day. 
The Bible clearly teaches us that the New Testament church came together on that first day of the week. We read, for example, in Acts 20, verse 7, that the church came together to break bread. 1 Corinthians 6, 16, verse 2, also refers to the first day of, the, of every week, wherein during the worship service they made financial contributions to help those who are in need. They worshipped together on those days. They broke bread together. They had collections. They had preaching. And now we too come together on the first day of the week. We too must celebrate this as a day of joy. Not in the way that the people did during Isaiah's day. They served the Lord grudgingly. They kept the Sabbath in the same way that they kept their fast. They did it with long faces. They knew that they had to do it, and so they did it, but their hearts weren't in it. They did not think about what God had done for them to give them life and to sustain that life, to give them eternal life even. No, they had no joy. They were in it for themselves. They were in it with regard to life for themselves. They exploited others so that they could enrich themselves. They were unjust in the way that they dealt with others. They served the Lord only because they had to, not because they wanted to, and they did it in their own way. And therefore, it wasn't a joy for them. They felt it as a restriction on their activities. But it isn't. The Sabbath was never meant to be that way. For you see, the Lord God also gives us another reason for celebration. For instead of restricting us, the Lord God gives us freedom. He gives us room to worship him. That brings us to our second point. That is why we read the law this morning together as we find it in Deuteronomy 5. For with the fourth commandment, as compared to the version in Exodus 20, there are some extra words added. Moses says, Remember that ye were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. It is now a day of celebration, not only because of creation, but because of God's deliverance. He delivered them out of Egypt. And now he delivers us from our sin. For when we speak about our deliverance, we think especially of our deliverance from sin and Satan. Such deliverance means that we have been given a new life. Eternal life. And we have a foreshadowing of that in the Old Testament. The Sabbath is a day of refreshment. It is a day of renewal. That is what the Lord God says, for example, in Exodus 23, verse 12. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that you, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born in your household, and the alien as well may be refreshed. It is a day of refreshment. It is a day of renewal. You can well imagine what a wonderful celebration this will have been for the Israelites after they came out of the land of Egypt, the house of slavery. When they lived there in Egypt, they had to work all the time. They were slaves. 
They had no choice but to work seven days a week, week in, week out. The Egyptians were always cracking the whip. But now, in the desert, the Lord God gives them freedom. And he gives them one day in the week off from their daily work. Isn't that wonderful? He claimed them as his own and set them free, especially on that day, to serve him. It is no wonder, therefore, that in Isaiah 58, verse 13, the Sabbath is called a delight. For God gives man a day of rest. He gives man one day out of each week so that he can have a day of relaxation, a day of commemoration. For the Lord God tells them to remember the Sabbath day. They must remember that God instituted that day for himself. The Lord makes that clear in Isaiah 58, where it says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day, and if you honor it by not going your own way, and not doing as you please, or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, and that includes you, young people, God takes care of us if we keep his commandments. And that includes the fourth commandment. Sometimes some people think that we, that they need an extra day to work in order to make ends meet. They are afraid to tell a prospective employer that they cannot work on a Sunday because they are afraid that they will either lose their job or that they will not get the job they are looking for. However, please consider, throughout the history of the world, God's people have always been blessed, also materially, in spite of the fact that they took one day off in the week not to work. Look at how blessed we are. None of us lack anything, do we? And yet, instead of being at the workplace today, we are here to worship God. We don't need to make money every day of the week. God makes it possible. He gives us the room to have this special day of worship. He gives us the freedom and the room to do that by providing for us abundantly. And that is something that the Israelites themselves had to learn when they were still in the wilderness before they went into the promised land. God gave them manna each day. That manna rained down from heaven. Every day they could gather up as much as they needed for each day. Anything that was left over for the next day would be spoiled. It would be full of worms. And that was the Lord's way of teaching them that he gives them enough for each day. But what happened on the day before the Sabbath? Then the Lord God gave them a double portion. Enough for the next day, enough for the Sabbath, and that man I would not spoil on that day. Again, the Lord teaches his people in this way that he provides for them, and especially when they keep the day of rest. Isn't that true for us today as well? Also today, the Lord God gives us room and freedom to experience his joy. He gives us food and shelter and everything we need for body and soul in spite of the fact that we take a day off every week 
For he knows that you and I, that we need it. There are so many things that are going on during the week. So much to do. We work approximately 40 hours a week. Some of us longer, some of us shorter. And then during the time that we are not at our workplace, there are many other things that require our attention. When you have a young family, then there are music lessons, soccer games, baseball games in the winter, hockey games. You have your doctor's appointments, your grocery shopping, you have to cook your meals, and so the list can go on and on as to many things that you have to do during the week. And when you're an active member of the church, then there are also many church activities, showers, weddings, council or committee meetings, society meetings, you name it. It makes your head spin when you think about it all. And now the Lord God gives you an oasis in the middle, in, at the beginning of the week to refresh yourself, to catch your breath. Why would you not want to spoil that wonderful opportunity by continuing with all those activities? The word Sabbath means stop. It means ceasing from your activity. As the Lord Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, we must celebrate it because God has set us free to enjoy his creation, to enjoy life. And therefore, we may not make this a day that stifles life either, to make it a day of drudgery. That's what the Pharisees did. We come to the third point. The Pharisees made the Sabbath a day that centered around man, to please him. They had man concentrate on all the things they were forbidden to do. They made man a slave of the regulations that they themselves put into place. For them it was not a celebration of what God has done, but about what man should do. They had forgotten the purpose of the Lord's Day, of the Sabbath. In the passage that we read together in Matthew, the Lord Jesus shows himself to be the God of life, for he heals on the Sabbath. How appropriate. Think about it. The Sabbath was a day of refreshment for the body and soul. It was a day of healing. And by healing on the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus highlights that aspect of it. The Sabbath was made for man so that he could be reminded of who gives him that life. And for that reason, the Lord did not forbid the disciples to pick some heads of grain either. On the contrary, he encouraged them. For it is also through food that life is sustained. This is God's gift to man. And if you give thanks, the Lord, if you give thanks to the Lord God for your health and for your food, then you may, and then indeed you must also do that on the Sabbath. And that is why this Sabbath was instituted in the first place. Note well that in the passage we read together in Matthew, that there the Lord Jesus tells his disciples and therefore also us to cast their yokes upon him for only with him will they find rest. What is the greatest burden that man has to carry? Is it not the fact that he knows he is going to die? 
there is a curse on man because of sin. And now the Lord Jesus has removed that curse. And now the first day of the week is a celebration of that wonderful reality. It is a day when we remember our deliverance. Not in the first place from the land of slavery, but from Satan, from sin. The Lord God now gives us that day to reflect on what he has done in delivering us from evil and the horrible consequences of that evil. And that is why it is such a great joy to be able to gather together as God's people to commemorate those things. The Lord God gives you even two opportunities to do that on a Sabbath, on a Sunday. And therefore it is a sin that you stay away from the church services for illegitimate reasons. God has given this day to you and to me as a day where you gather together, together as his people, to enjoy one another and to enjoy God's creation. For that reason, the Catechism says that we must diligently attend the church services on that day. And what is the center of all those church services? It is the preaching of God's word. It is the proclamation of the gift of life. And now the question about what we may or may not do on a, on a Sunday is put into a completely different light. You do everything you can to free yourselves from those things that prevent you from celebrating, from remembering God's creation and recreation. If it is spiritually well with you, then you look forward to the Sunday. And then you refrain from work as much as possible. Then we are not legalistic about it, but then it is something that flows out of the heart. And you will also want others to share in such a celebration, even those who are unbelievers. For that reason, you give a rest to those who are your employee. And that is why we do not also go to business establishments that work on a Sunday if we can help it. For you may not make a distinction as some way, as some do, between spiritual rest and physical rest. The Bible does not know of a division of body and soul. Body and soul belong together. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God has required rest for us. How? By dealing with sin. By conquering sin. Through faith, we belong to him. And that means that his victory over sin and evil is now also our victory. And that we must proclaim also to unbelievers in our words and in our actions. For that is the great peace that we may have in our lives. Because of Christ's death, we will live forever and ever and ever. What a great blessing. It is very beautiful the way that the catechism ends this Lord's Day. For it says that God requires with this commandment that I rest from my evil work, from my evil works, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Indeed, it is a holy day every day. It is not so that on Sundays we come together in our best clothes to piously proclaim that we belong to God's people 
No, that must show every day of the week. And that is why the Lord God also warns those people during Isaiah's time that they must show in their actions, in the way that they celebrate the Sabbath, in the way that they fast, that they are children of God, in the way that they conduct themselves. We have to remember what God has done. Every day is a day of commemoration. We must remember every day of the week who God is, but also who we are, children of God who have been bought by the blood of Christ. Every day of the week we must therefore also fight against sin ourselves. Because that's what it means that we belong to Christ. The fact that Christ has done his work in us must also show through us. However, it also says in Hebrews 4 verse 9 that there remains for God's people a Sabbath rest. This does not just refer to every day of the week, but especially to the Lord's day. God established the Sabbath rest at the time of creation and has never rescinded it. It has now been given a greater and richer meaning in Christ. And therefore, you and I must be careful how we celebrate that day. If on the Sunday you do all kinds of other things that you would also do during the week, then your mind is not set on rest. Your mind is busy with other things. But the Lord God gives you this day to stop what you normally do and to think, to think about what it means to be a child of his, to think about his greatness, to think about your wonderful future. Brothers and sisters, we have quite something to look forward to. We are anticipating the great day of rest together with God and the Lamb. Then we have our eternal rest. We have a foretaste of that now already. Then there will be no more sin, no more pain, no more tears. Total rest, life in abundance, forever and ever and ever. Thank the Lord that he has given us a day in the week to celebrate these things, to give us that wonderful vision. Let us celebrate this together as God's people every day of our lives, but especially on the first day of the week. Amen.